Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? <laughs> Not Samsung, Greg. Not Samsung. Not what? Not Samsung. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors in their third preseason game defeat the Chicago Bulls, an NBA team. We got to see NBA versus NBA basketball, 106 to 102. We got to see quite a few interesting spurts of basketball from maybe G League bound guys, maybe end of uh, end of bench guys. We got to see some unique Scotty plus bench units. We got to see some starter units. Um, we saw more isolation basketball in this game than in the past games, but we're here after a win. We saw some good basketball. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk. To those who are listening, not live, but afterwards, hope you're enjoying your morning walk or your nighttime listen, whichever it is. Let's get into it. Trey, you're here to talk about it with me. What were your uh, your initial takeaways from that game? Like you said, first initial, happy to see NBA players play NBA players. It's just... There's a major difference. Um, <laughs> I, I think I look at the game in sort of like two different phases. There's obviously the the core starter minutes where obviously they struggled. You saw a lot of the principles that they put into action, a lot of these high post reads, funneling the ball to bigs in order to create ideal situations for cuts, secondary actions with other guys. I don't think in in the first 20 minutes of the game, like the Bulls like help integrity was changed at all. Just simply just because of the fact that they cannot shoot. And that that led to them leading to more isolation buckets. Pascal getting more involved. And it kind of alludes to what Darko was saying, like the best players are going to eventually get the ball because you can design as much as you want, but eventually if you're not creating the advantages you need, you have to give the ball to your best players. And then obviously the bench units. You saw sort of what we spoke about last our, our last episode with Scotty being paired with the bench and seeing how we would do with shooters. We we saw that. And he played a lot of minutes with the, in the five. They scored a, a good amount. You saw shooting. You saw active movement. You got to see him as a roller, a passer, and kind of a, what the future of this team would look like. So I would say the second half of the second phase of this game, I, I'm very impressed upon and I want to see more of it. The first half, I I think it it eventually is going to lead to Gary having to start or have more on ball responsibilities than we would like. So if anybody uh, remembers Steph, no, he covers the Chicago Bulls. He's one of the lead writers for Sporting News covering the NBA. He uh, he messaged me halfway through the game and he was like, "The Raptors really miss Jakob." And that's the truth of it. We saw now the Raptors can figure out how to play basketball a million different ways. They have only, as somebody mentioned, uh, Drummond's dunk fail. It, that was incredible. Um, but regardless, we're looking at a team that can figure out a few different ways to play and succeed. That's super encouraging because the last couple of years, they had been fairly one note. 
the big thing that they struggled with today, and you can see it reflected in Chris Boucher's stat line, Thaddeus Young's plus minus, and Malachi Flynn's 0 for 7, is like out of those traditional positions that they're weaker at, especially with Yaka being hurt, the center position was a tough place to get production yep. from today. Thad really struggled in his minutes. They tried to run the actions through there. They tried to feed him the ball on some of those like slips to the rim, pocket passes. He a couldn't present like he couldn't burst into space. He was late on a couple things. There are a couple you know pocket passes that weren't exactly put in the best position. Malachi struggled to create without screeners opening up a bunch of space or working off of really talented players as a catch and shoot option. And then Chris, like Chris, if they're going to be playing slow basketball, which in the front court it, it's slow, right? Or the half court, I should say. And you're playing against Vucevic. There's a reason why Scotty had a lot of those minutes against Vucevic. There's a reason why you saw Scotty playing drop. And for the record, Scotty, I'd want to really dig down on this. I think he had like one of, I know it's preseason, but it's one of the better through and through defensive performances I've seen from him, to be quite honest. Um, Chris had a really tough time. I'm not worried about Chris, though, because Chris is like a fantastic uh, bench big. I've been on this train for a long time. Not worried about it in the slightest. I do want to dig down on Scotty. So let's get to the stat line. Scotty Barnes, 22 points, six boards, three assists, two steals, four blocks, 57% from the floor, hit two threes, both of which were above the break, four and four from the free throw line, plus 11, which I believe was a game high. He looked the part of just, he was like the do-it-all guy. He was, when they had the ball, the opportunities in transition, he was tremendous. When the ball came to him above the break, he was really good at moving it along or not getting himself into trouble, getting into like a dribble handoff. Also, just fantastic timing on the roll in this game. This was a game where Scotty was a guard in transition. He was a big in the half court. And he really made a killing in this game. I thought that he was fantastic. Um, let's keep it on the offense. What did you think about that performance? Offensively, I think once he got to play with more of the starters, you saw exactly what you're envisioning for him. He was put in positions where he was around active shooters. He was able to attack via opposing big. They were able to run in transition. And because of the, the force that he can create when he has the ball in lower positions in the low block, read Samson folks post on his <laughs> post possessions. Um, he's going to create um, some rotations by simply people just crashing on him. And you can create weak side actions like we saw with Gary there coming around on the weak side when he was in the post and Scotty can make those passes. So I was super impressed with what you saw there. And Obviously, a big swing skill for him is going to be whether he can shoot that spot up three or not. And nights like this when he's hitting the three and able to make that the triple big lineup more tenable, it, it helps significantly because his passing is a huge weapon. And if he's a viable scorer, it, it allows him to expand that and become more of a, a hub, which is kind of the, the whole point of the season where you want the Raptors to be. Yeah, that's a big part of the season is – a, they have to sort out the Pascal stuff. It doesn't seem like it's coming preseason. They'll sort it out during the season or after the season ends, whatever it ends up being. But the big, the biggest thing is kind of cementing Scotty's role, giving him opportunities to stretch his legs in places where he isn't necessarily elite, but also making sure that you get to cement some of his best plays going forward. In the piece you referenced about all of his post-up plays, 
it's not the Eastern Conference scout I talked to, but the Western Conference team scout is saying, I'm waiting for Scotty to find his play where he really threatens the defense and forces them to change. And when he's being used as a hub where he can kind of, you know, if, if a big is a little bit more in space, he can pressure and make those reads, drive and kick stuff. That's not exactly his greatest advantage. But when he gets to target a lot of those cross matches, draw doubles, sink the defense, and he's surrounded by shooters, which he wasn't often last year, but he was in this game. They ran that lineup. It looked awesome. It was kismet, right? Like that's the term, something like that. And the Raptors, their offense struggled in this game even more or even so when they had Scotty shoot two of three from downtown and Pascal mm-hmm. shoot two of five from downtown, including like a disguised flare screen that he came off of and hit a three on. They're, I don't want to, it's preseason. The Bulls are slated to be a very impressive defense this season. Billy Donovan has been able to get it out of them year after year. Vooch, I think, is an underrated defender. He is a plodding big yes, but he helps you close out a lot of defensive possessions. It took till forever in the game until the Raptors got their first second chance point, which was Scotty going up after his own miss. And they like, I know Caruso obviously doesn't factor in in this game, but they're a team that like they're pretty gritty at the point of attack. Their weak point is the wings, wherein, man, Scotty and Pascal, the team struggled as a whole. But those guys, they got to a lot of dangerous spots on the court repeatedly. This is what they did in the play-in game. And then obviously people remember like too many possessions ended up funneling into Fred's hands. And Fred couldn't beat Vooch on switches, struggled with the more aggressive pick-and-roll defenses. It's just like seeing the wings take over the, for the most part, the initiation was, was fun. And it's not necessarily the Nick Nurse offense because attacking mismatches isn't a creation of Nick Nurse, of course. But we saw Pascal Siakam really lift up and carry the offense for the first however long of the game, attacking those cross matches and doing like a really good job of it. Gary, I know he missed like he missed he got blocked on the Duncan transition. He missed the layup in transition. And he started out really hot and only finished shooting four for ten. But my goodness, the start of the game, he was just like bouncing around the perimeter nonstop providing help, shaping up to drivers, making himself available as a passing option repeatedly, and hitting shots. Um, Dennis Schroeder also, it's been a pretty low-key preseason for him. He's not asked to do that much, except be sticky at the point of attack, but he fit in quite well in this game. Uh, OG, let's focus on OG. What did you think of OG's performance? He's uh, maybe, like, he's not the forgotten man. It's nothing like that, but when the three-point shots aren't finding him on the perimeter and everybody who enters the paint that's very congested and very compact, he's not really the best at navigating those tight spaces. So the offensive game plan kind of leaves him behind in a, in a game like this, it seems. Yeah, I think in situations where the lineup struggle, especially the starters, struggle to create additional advantages where their actions can create easy cutting lanes for guys like OG, that he's going to struggle mildly if he's not able to shoot in certain games. Like like you said, um, a big thing that led to his like early offensive leap last season was him being able to attack closeouts, navigate through the lane, and score. Defense is adjusted to that. The Raptors also don't have a shoot shooting on the weak side that really affects other defenses. So people were standing pat because now they're aware that he's going to likely dunk the ball over like the opposing wing. Where he struggles right now is finding that in-between range of 
where to score and pick his spots. That you saw some of the off off the dribble things aren't really that fluid currently. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like he's trying, and that's going to be the swing for him. But if he can add a few things, like I I, I dare I say that Gary has added in. in I would. In I was gonna league. say. It, it would help him tremendously. The floater that Gary's had over the last two seasons has kind of changed. I wouldn't say the total trajectory of him as a player, but he's far more tenable in the lineups that in the starting lineup now than he was when he was even scoring more in his first season with the Raptors. So I think OG mitigating that, if he can become more of an advanced passer in traffic, as well as adding a bit of an in-between game, not necessarily the off-the-dribble shooting, it will allow the lineup to be more tenable and his scoring output will be more consistent. It's funny when you were talking, I was doing like that classic faux pas, which is uh, you're formulating your response instead of listening. The moment you started saying that, I was like, Oh, I'm going to talk about Gary making that change. And then you brought it up is like Gary becoming a guy who is shooting like 50 plus percent on push shots in the short mid range means he can put that extra dribble down means that even if you don't end up taking that shot, Maybe the corner pass opens up. Maybe it sinks a little further. Maybe you get the big man to to step up and you can make that little lay down pass or something like that. It is really, really interesting. Once you add one more dimension to your game, like four things open up. The, The skill tree starts branching out even more instead of being like these linear possessions. And right now, OG is a pretty linear player and he needs to get into spots where, and he needs to a little bit of skill development with his handle, with his comfortability in, you know, tight spaces and the, the pull-up jumper. I don't know. It's been a work in progress for a long time, but those types of plays are what are going to make him more matchup proof or game plan proof. Because if you have a defense, that's pretty good at taking away the three point line and then taking away the rim by loading up, the chances are OG is going to have a lower scoring game because of that. There's just no really getting around it, but I mean, OG is, he's still fantastic. You're looking at a team that like OG would have more space to be more game plan proof. If he was playing on a team where it wasn't utterly necessary for him to be a spacer on this possession. If you mentioned it, like on the other side, there isn't an OG spacing out the floor for OG to drive and have a paint that's open to him. And so while it has been, you know, it was a little bit tough. I, I talked about this after the first preseason game. I was like, I know OG shot a good percentage, but it didn't seem like the offense found him. He just hit every shot that came to him. That's been the case. And I guess we'll see what happens because OG does want more touches. And OG, you know, he obviously wants to win and they want this team to play the best of their ability. But if the offense keeps, you know, forgetting him or having a tough time getting him the ball in places where it works for him, I don't know. might be tough. Uh, He made a couple nice laydowns, though which is a good thing. So if he gets to the close to the basket, you know, he's always been good at making the reads to the big. Yeah. I think this more is a a larger issue of roster construction than necessarily OG. He's a a very scalable player. He fits in almost every scenario. You see a guy like Aaron Gordon, who with the magic with this super big lineup doesn't necessarily fit in what they need them to do. But now he's next to a guy that's creating all the advantages. They have shooting all around him. And now He's getting tons of cuts. He's finishing everything. And now the shooting is more of a plus. Right now, the shoot the shooting that OG has is constitutes whether he's going to have a good game or not, simply because the Raptors cannot manufacture op- open space for a guy like him, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. He's this this is just like 
nitpicking OG, yeah. which my bad, but also like these things pop off, as you say, in a more friendly context. This is also something that I watched all of Precious's cuts from last year. I'm working on a piece. I just have to talk to Precious. Like I get my interview lined up with him to talk to him about that. But Precious is another guy who in this motion offense, I think that there's a lot of room for a really talented cutter such as himself. I know when he has the ball, it can get bogged down pretty quickly. <laughs> he might he might break out a couple combos, but when he's off ball, he has a great little sniffer for, you know, when to kind of, hmm, there's a cut here. You know, there's a read. And I, I just got to, I've tried to dig down on this with him before. And he's kind of like, he skirts me. He's kind of like, eh, you know, but I want to know exactly like, you know, there's the, a lot of people when you th- say like, hey, what are you looking for when you cut? A coach will say, when you see the numbers, when you see this back tab on the jersey or whatever. But I want to know if it's that rudimentary for him or if he's reading other things. And it's like, well, no, I have to cut here because I know that I have to drag the weak side zone in with me to open the, up the corner. Are you seeking space or are you seeking to change the defense? And then whatever happens, happens. I kind of want to understand that stuff. Uh, that affects OG as well. Although he, I can't talk to OG just about cuts. He's not giving me an inch. Precious is a pretty good interview. Um, we'll see though. Okay. G League guys who yeah. closed out the game. The Raptors are down one heading into the fourth quarter. We got guys like Jalen McDaniels, Malachi Flynn, Grady Dick, Javon Freeman Liberty, and Mohamedou Gay. The last two. Really, really impressive. You know, Grady kept finding these oddball rebounds. Javon was pushing, pushing, pushing. And Gay was just like everywhere. I made the the comp to Chris Boucher in that yeah. these guys who are really long and seek the rim repeatedly, when the game kind of opens up, and boy, did the game open up in the fourth quarter. It didn't lead to offense because it was sloppy, but it opened up. He just thrived. Like the defense, it seemed like he was everywhere. It's not like he was helping out close out defensive possessions with rebounds or anything, but he was so present. When the Raptors were in scramble mode, it felt like every time that that breaking point, they were on the precipice of reaching it, Gay is the guy who's like showing up, boom, I'm in space, I'm in the spot, we're moving the ball elsewhere, we get to catch up. The, the weak side is catching up to the plate. And then offensively, just like bursting through a seam, catching the ball, putting pressure on the rim. As far as like the perhaps G League bound guys or the end of bench guys, did you have a favorite performance today? Uh, it's definitely Mohamedou Key. Um, I thought he was, aside from Grady, like the most impressive player on the summer league team. He offers like such like a finite skill as like a slip threat where with the Raptors, if they're struggling to have space, guys who can create havoc in like such finite ways and slip, use their length, score in those ways will make things easier. He's a guy that can play with Scotty if he does get some minutes with the team at some point. And I think he his shot mechanics are are pretty fluid, although like the percentages haven't really worked out in a way. I could see it possibly being somewhat of a, a swing for him. And then offering some resistance at, in terms of a rim protector. I, I don't think you obviously can put him as a, as a five. You saw Chris struggle as a, a five today. But one thing that I really liked about the team today is that we used our length more as a, a, a shot deterrence than necessarily a, like a, as an agent of chaos trying to manufacture turnovers in order to help the offense. We are, we are much more conservative than they usually are. And someone like Guy, who may not necessarily offer resistance as like 
uh, a po- as a post threat or a post defender, for example, he's going to be able to still use his length, come as a weak side guy and ho- offer some help there and have really funky lineups that they're going to be able to play. And on, and on the 905, he should be featured quite a bit and get some minutes. I, I would, if I were to guess, he's going to play more than five games with, with the team. Yeah. He, he's a guy like the Raptors. So you can see kind of the way they're structuring the, the training camp roster and the deals they're signing, like they're clearly, you know, setting themselves up to have a pretty decent 905 roster. And this is something that like the 905, the people over there, you know, it's felt like a little bit divorced from the Raptors over the past mm-hmm. few years. And well, maybe few is a bit too far. A couple of years, like there's a real line of demarcation from pandemic onward. And the Raptors had to navigate more uh, personnel stuff than a lot of any like just moving, you know, the team more so than like any other team really. And, you know, there's, there's costs to that. Um, you lose a little bit and so you have to spend time kind of recuperating and getting that stuff back. I do think he'll end up on the 905. I don't think he'll end up with the team. Yeah. Uh, I think he'll be there with the other two way guys. Uh, Javon Freeman Liberty, I think is a, a really interesting guy to talk about as far as making a large impact at the 905. I do think like, it was last October around this time. It's the 17th. It might have been October 19th of last, or it might have been like October 16th or 15th of last year that they said, yes, Malachi is coming back for year four. You go a year ahead on those rookie contracts, right? And he's he's getting paid like almost like around $4 million for this season. He's going to get a shot. He shoots well from catch and shoot. He's worked on his jumper enough that he is a danger there. He has reportedly put on five to seven pounds of muscle. He said he worked on that specifically to help grind through a lot more of these actions, you know, getting through screens, you know, as you're getting, nobody here has felt it, but you even, you know, the people in chat, people listening, when you play pickup basketball and there's like some real monsters in the paint and somebody's cutting through and you get brushed by them, it's a big difference between the the big guys and the little guys as far as like your ease of access. And Malachi is definitely, you know, he feels that bump through. It's like, you know, Wipeout, that show, when they're like the punching the boxing gloves or whatever. Like he's taking shots going through there. Maybe that extra muscle helps him navigate the court a little bit more often too. I think that oh, that is something he needs. But he shoots the ball well. If he can play better defense, maybe there's something there. 0 for 7. He's not nothing to write home about, obviously, but he has that spot until he plays himself out of it again, which happened last year, um, or until somebody beats him. I think there's only one possible candidate to beat Malachi for that spot. I think it's Javon Freeman Liberty. And I don't know if that's going to happen because the Raptors have been pretty lax on like making that big jump with one of their 905 guys the past couple years. So we'll see, but it's something to consider. I like his game a lot. Uh, The defense, I still need to see more of to really have a strong takeaway. But the thing is like, he shot the ball really well at the G League level. His first step is really, really great. He has a tight handle and he's really, really impressive finishing at the rim. So those types of things for an end of bench guard, I would take the chance on it. And, you know, me personally, I would have Jeff Doughton and I would have Javon ahead of Malachi. Like, I really would. But the truth of the matter is Malachi is the first-round pick. 
Yeah, Malachi is the guy with the big, you know, relative to the other guys, the big paycheck, and he's going to get the shot first. You know, that's kind of how these things shake out. I I would, last year I was a big proponent of Jeff Doughton. Jeff Doughton is on like a zero liability contract right now. I don't know. What, I talked about this last episode, maybe a bit too long. I don't want to belabor it this time, but I like if they, if they just, you know, passed on Flynn and said, maybe Flynn goes to another team and, and Flynn gets a shot with like, maybe there's a really good pick and roll big on somebody else's bench that he gets possessions with something like that. We'll see. But I like I do like Javon better than Flynn, and I do like Jeff better than Flynn from as far as just like putting these guys on the team. But I don't think it shakes out that way, unfortunately. But Javon, I liked his game today when he linked yeah. up with Grady for that three. I know I tweeted about it. I was like, "This is real sicko basketball." It's like Javon Liberty Freeman to Grady Dick for a three point in clutch time. Like we're here, man. This is what this is what we've been waiting for. Um, that was a long. I'm monologuing. No, 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 uh, yeah. great. No. Uh, <laughs> um, in terms of the the big thing with um, Darko's like philosophy is moving away from the pick and roll. Like Malachi coming in was looked at as a guy who can hit threes, be a really good pick and roll operator. He's never really had the big that that could propel him to really uh, utilize that skill. Ideally, that could be Coloco this season. Who knows? But um, he hasn't shot the ball well enough to mask his inability in the pick and roll. He currently isn't a threat, and teams are are tagging the big, and he hasn't offered anything else outside of that. And the defense also hasn't been an, a, a factor enough for him to actually win minutes. Initially, people are under the, the assumption like it's more of a Nick Nurse thing. They're going with their starters. But I think the the common like conception, like anyone who's trying to keep their job, is to perform well and to win games. And he didn't provide enough in order to win those actual minutes. I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on on Javon. He played really well in summer league. He was one of the guys that impressed us a lot when we saw him. Which saw him with Chicago. Um, if he can able, if he can offer shooting, especially off the movement, that would be huge for this team. And putting him in a situation with a nine oh five where he can be highlighted. He's already scored a lot for for a G League team before. And if he's able to come on as a spark plug, get those minutes, be on a, a potential Scotty plus bench lineup where he's running off of screens, able to then grab the ball, score off secondary action, sort of like how we saw what Gary did as well. I think that offers a, another wrinkle to the offense. And it Ideally, with these end-of-bench two-way guys, you want people that are going to be able to seamlessly plug into the philosophy that that Darko has. And I think Malachi sort of is an odd man out. He seems more so what they were ideally going for last year with with Jakob and Fred being a high pick-and-roll team. He And some of that is, I know if you see like uh, his, his dad's Facebook, which is a legendary Facebook poster, but if you... He would tell you, like, there's more on the table here. Nick Nurse didn't use him properly. And there's always, like, you can't, there's always more players can do, especially at the end of the bench. But you can't tailor or design things for end of bench players. Like, the hierarchy really does dictate. These guys have to fit in. You got to get along to go along, right? And Malachi just hasn't been able to fit into, he wasn't able to fit into what Nick wanted and really compete. And he's having trouble in the Darko system, I think. And, yep. you know, 
he's had opportunities, like plenty. This is a Raptors team that has been uber thin at the guard position forever. And if Malachi was on, like, there's a lot of other teams in the NBA. If he had been put there and he plays this same way, that, like, that fourth year just doesn't get signed and he just kind of goes out into free agency. The Raptors are a team that is reliant to try and develop some more guards. And that's the only reason Malachi has been sticking around, really. It's, um, yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough to accept those things. We have an interesting comment from Phoenix PlayZ. Says everything devolves into a pick and roll, going into a handoff, the screener screening, then rolling. That's a pick and roll. Then you have guys cutting off the ball. As far as Darko trying to avoid the pick and roll, this is something that Darko. You have to tailor the offense around what's currently happening, and we see Darko avoiding the pick and roll to start. They're running high post to start, and I understand the wisdom here because if you start with high post stuff then you can start disguising a lot of these screens that end up running like a pick and roll. So you run high post to try and bring guys up. Then you run handoffs and pick and rolls off of that. And maybe the second action is the pick and roll so that the team kind of lose the defense kind of loses scheme and they don't go under, but they chase over top. Basically you're trying to move the perimeter defenders up a little bit so that they don't go under your initial action and stay comfortable. That's what they're trying to do. Limited returns so far. It hasn't been like super, super successful. But you're, you're, the commenter is correct. Like a lot of basketball just devolves into screening. Like there's a ball handler, there's a screen being set, or it's a dribble handoff. Like basketball is very simplistic. You can dress it up with a lot of different things, but you're going to have a couple major events happening. And those typically revolve around somebody coming off of a dribble handoff or somebody with a live dribble coming off of a screen. The Raptors have to figure out how to navigate all this kind of stuff with a limited amount of shooting. So far, they've done a really good job of staying out of the half court. So, hey, we're just going to run. We got length on this side. We got length on this side. We have a shooter somewhere. And the guy on ball can dunk it if you don't meet the ball, preferably above the free throw line, right? These are important things. But the Raptors, like there's work to do. But there's there's room for optimism because I think they went up against a Bulls team that was fairly healthy. Caruso, obviously. Lonzo Ball just isn't part of the plans. And they won. You know, like they they did a pretty good job. I think that they had the game in control for the first little while of it. It kind of broke down. It got a little messy. Uh, the Raptors, some of the finishing tra- in transition came back to bite them. But it was a fun game. Uh, that was my favorite game of the preseason, to be sure. And the guys competing at the end of the game, too. I thought they did a hell of a job, man. I was super impressed with it. It, it was good, especially they, the starters played much longer than I was expecting. They yeah. played deep into the, the actual game. I like the the optimistic optimistic side of everything we spoke about Like was highlighted after the first quarter. That I think the bench unit has an opportunity to probably be a top 10 unit in, in the league. They have a lot of shooting. They have guys who can offer a lot of those funky long lineups that we've we've seen, we've come to see with the Pascal, Precious, Boucher lineups, for example. Jalen McDaniels has done a really good job, A, being an active cutter, B, being able to get into screens, cause chaos um, with the with the ball handler. I think whether he stays on the floor is good if he's gonna be able to hit that corner three. He didn't really hit it today. 
but he's he's proven that he can. So I'm optimistic with a lot of the stuff. And Grady's only going to continue to get better. It's weird that he's one of the best shooting prospects we've seen in a while, and it's very weird that he's hasn't shot well since he's been drafted. Well, you can. It was the same thing. We went down to Vegas. This is what we saw in summer league too, right? Is that Grady just needs to get a little bit more acclimated to the speed, especially we saw him take that drive into the paint and he, his finish on that photo was so flat footed. And I, I think it was Drummond who blocked him. Right. And yeah. it's just like navigating the space. He probably did that pump and go in the college season, 98 times last year. And the big wasn't quick enough to come out and block that floater. Even though his footing was a little bit weird, he was a little bit off balance, he probably is like, this is a shot I've gotten off before. And he wasn't close at the NBA level. The closing speed is a lot quicker. Um, I think that's affecting some of the jump shot stuff. But as far as just like open jump shots too, maybe a little bit of the yips. I I said it, you know, last podcast, I tweeted this out, and we just haven't seen Grady have a good shooting yeah. game yet. But he, he's got a great nose for the ball. He makes really intelligent cuts. He's obviously a well above average passer for a guy who's deemed as a shooter. And he makes good reads as a defender. He's reading the game well, just not able to score the ball well. Now, yeah. usually you want the scoring to come first. But Grady is a guy, he's just kind of seeing how things go. The shooting should come along. I, I would struggle to believe that, right. like... I we I'm not worried about the shooting. It hasn't happened, and that's the objective thing. He hasn't happened, like it. He hasn't shot the ball well. But at this point, like who cares, man? Like it'll come around, right? Just pieces. Yeah. Just, just whatever. But, but Malachi going over seven. That's yeah. bad news. <laughs> I I, actually, so somebody mentioned they said like the video. I have never been able to remember to do that. Guys, like the video. That's an important thing to do. Uh, subscribe, all that good stuff. I always forget to say this, even when I pre-record stuff. It's, I'm terrible at it. But anyway, we have a lot of people in here. We're going to go to some comments from the... Um, we're going to go to some comments from the the comment section, I guess. Strat so, stratosphere. Yeah, exactly. The, the stratosphere. Okay, so Dennis on Kobe. Pretty competitive, right? What, what did you make? Because Dennis, I thought... Kobe, yeah. I think, is underrated a little bit. I know he's not what a lot of people wanted him to be, but he's top five and threes all, made all time for the Bulls. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Isn't that, that absurd? Is, that is weird. Who has been shooting threes for the Bulls and never hitting? Kobe is like at year five. I think. They've had good shooters. Kirk Heinrich, um, Ben Gordon. Yeah, but these guys are like – Ben Gordon is a different type of good shooter. He took yeah. that step in, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then. True. Uh, but Kirk Heinrich, he was, he was, he was like a guy, Josh Codanero would bully, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But he also like, he was a fine enough shooter, but again, not really in the high yeah. volume three point shooting era. The fact that, yeah. you know, Kobe well, gets to come in and just like shoot, 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 shoot. Obviously yeah. Zach is there. I don't know who else would be there, but like, when you think about it, Derek Rose wasn't a great shooter. Jimmy Butler shot threes, oh. but wasn't a great shooter at that point in time. The Bulls are like a team that has been bereft of shooting. It's grinders. I guess. Yeah. Luol Dang probably is in that top five, if I were to guess. He probably is. He has to be. He would have to be. I wonder if he, do you know Luol Dang was my first favorite NBA player? 
but what is wrong with you bro no i he was number nine i always loved number nine and he was like the first nba player i saw wearing number nine i was like that's sick man but you're just like look at the look at the the fine cuts he makes he never makes a mistake makes the extra pass and you're just he would be awesome on these yeah, Raptors, man. Will Dang would elevate this team really well. But then it'd be like, oh yeah, they have another great wing. Yeah, you know how, where would you put him? Yeah, can you put yeah. the ball on the floor? Yeah, yeah. I uh, but overall, like Dennis, I think I ideally I think he has to probably go to the bench. But he's such a pesky on ball defender. You saw it in the in the playoffs last year with a with a big that can protect. Like when he's gonna play with Jakob, I think he's gonna be able to get really aggressive create a lot more turnovers. I think that's why they probably are, are going to try to start him. Create more turnovers, get more, get in transition, which would be really refreshing. Uh, although some of these transition finishes weren't, weren't ideal, but <laughs> they, they, they were running, which is, which is fun. I think it's really cool that we haven't had a player that can really turn the corner like he can. Yes. Pascal does it, but in a more methodic um like it's like a fine art. It's it's a lot of ebbs and flows, and then he makes a decision. Whereas Dennis is more like a Tasmanian devil, and he's turning the corner constantly. I think that would be really refreshing on the bench. And you can have matchups like this where Kobe White was absolutely torching for for a bit of the game, and then Dennis Schroeder like cut his water off, which is really cool to see. I I, think I, I like his fit with the team. He's he's been he hasn't been asked to do very much so far. Yeah. Like that's that's the thing too, right? Is there's a stark contrast between what Fred was asked to do yes. and what and what Fred took upon himself to do. I will add, and what Dennis tries to do. So when the Raptors are struggling in half court offense to start, Schroeder is a passenger. He's like going through the motions. He's like, when my time to contribute to this offense comes, it comes. I'll find my opportunities. Those possessions, uh, Fred would not be a passenger, right? Fred would be like, okay, you know, some of these possessions are mine. I'm going to try and make something happen. And in some cases, those possessions move on from Dennis to find somebody who ends up doing something. Whereas Fred, the possession, it'll end with Fred, you know, which Fred is a better shot maker than Dennis historically, but also like there's better shot makers on the team. You move the ball on, maybe more team oriented or something like that. Dennis it's a bit different than he has played in his past, but is really like hands off right now. Moving yeah. the ball. You see when he's coming around screens and picking his dribble up, like he's hardly surveying the court. He's just pivoting and the ball is going, he's switching the play to the other side. Like there's very little, the ball just doesn't spend a lot of time in his hands. And as far as turning the corner, like Dennis has never been an incredible rim finisher. He's 6-1. He has like a really long wingspan, but it's tough to be an incredible rim finisher. And as far as like turning the corner, doing it differently than Pascal, Pascal's quick enough that like he turns the corner, he beats his man, but the guy is close enough to like slide and shift and foul him. Yeah. Dennis is too quick to draw the foul. You know, like he beats yeah. his man and he's past the hip. Whereas like guys are sticking on Pascal's hip and leaning on him. That's why you get those like fading away, throw the ball at the rim type of fouls. But yeah, Dennis is turning the corner. He's not going to light the rim on fire as far as like attempts, probably. He's always been a guy who's a little bit closer to higher volume in the short mid-range. Like he gets that step. He sees the defense shifts over. It's that that deceleration on the right foot into that left foot and the little push shot, like that kind of stuff. Um, but that's already decent. Like you just, 
you, it's good to see Dennis turning the corner because that will allow for more of that drive and kick stuff. And while Fred did have a lot of drive and kick possessions last season, I think Dennis will be getting a little bit deeper, which means the weak side zones that are kind of trying to determine where to be, the guy who's stepping up to meet him, there might be more laydowns available and there might be more corner threes available. Who knows, you know, over Fred's time as a point guard, he did create a lot of corner threes, but we'll see. Uh, I like layups more personally. That's just me. And and Gary, you know, there's kind of an interesting duality here, right? Because you have you have Gary, you have Shooter. Some people are team start Gary. That's you and I. Some people are team start Shooter, which that seems like the Raptors and Darko are there. Uh, Gary made a couple awesome reads as a playmaker today. Like live dribble, just yep. zinging that thing. I shut it here when he passed it to me, Shay. And the one to to Scotty as well, yeah. right? Like, uh, you're you're talking about the empty side pick and roll yeah. with Boucher, great possession. Uh, empty side pick and rolls are very fundamental baseline reads that you need to make, but not reads that Gary makes all the time. And more specifically, he usually makes those out of dribble handoffs rather than the live dribble uh, pick and roll. That's great to see. That middle pick and roll where Scotty was slipping to the rim and Gary did that, like that swing pass, boom, hit him in stride. I was like, that's something to keep an eye on because as mentioned on this podcast before and first mentioned by Lewis in his big piece, he wrote about Gary after he signed his, you know, player option was that the sixth most efficient handoff handy, like duo in the NBA was Scotty and um, Gary. There's a lot of meat on the bone there. You have a guy who's like a genius passer, can screen okay, especially in the dribble handoff stuff, and you have a really talented shooter. Both these guys, Scotty needs to elevate himself as a scorer to be a little bit more dangerous in the keeper plays. Gary has to elevate himself more as a passer. But, you know, they're both, like Gary isn't as young as Scotty, obviously, but there's room to grow for these guys. I like that pairing a lot. And especially like, I don't know what happens with Gary's extension. He still could sign before the season starts. He he could sign during the season, right? I guess we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm very interested to see that partnership grow. It's uh, something I'm really interested in. I, I think this season Garrett's one of probably the four or five most important players on the team, just because he's going to make the lineups tenable currently. He's one of the only really shooters that can shoot off of movement that's going to play a, a large percentage of the minutes. And also he's able to, he's added the in-between stuff that has, has been really nice. And with Jakob back, you can kind of acquiesce some of the, some of the point of attack issues. I think he's kind of, I think public consumption, like has kind of come down and where he's at as, as a point of attack defender. You saw he had a lot of trouble with Kobe today. But um, if he's able to play in some of those lineups where Scotty's maybe used as the five or used as the central hub, it's going to allow him to get more time with the ball. He's going to be the play finisher on the other end of a lot of these plays. And maybe he's not necessarily having his usage isn't as high, but his, his overall efficiency and impact, I think, is going to be some of the best of his career. It's, um, yeah, I... It's, it'll be interesting to see how he applies himself. We have yeah. a, a couple of really good questions here. One is, what's our favorite pick and roll coverage in the league as a whole right now? And then a comment saying they loved how the team was fighting over screens. These kind of dovetail into one another because the Raptors played a ton of drop 
tonight, yeah. even without Jakob. And so that puts the behest on the point of attack defender. Like you got to get around that thing. You got to either stab step around, you know, you got to get that arm through or you got to climb. Yeah. And I thought that the compete level at the point of attack was really, really strong to not get lost. And then when you're in lock and trail at the point of attack, it's really important to play the angles. Like you have to know who you're checking. If it's Kobe White and Kobe White is a guy who really likes the straight pull up instead of the sidestep then you're going to hang on this guy's right shoulder. That's where you lock and trail to because then you're in a position for that rear view contest. If you're playing lock and trail on a guy like Gary Trent Jr. who doesn't like the straight pull-up but likes to get to the sidestep, it's like the lock and trail looks a little bit different. And the Raptors did a really good job of identifying like, here's what lock and trail defense were playing against X and Y on offense and also being able to shift and change like, okay, if the dig comes really heavy, do you switch? Maybe that's not the scheme, but that's the decision you two can make, right? Like you communicate that. I thought they were awesome. And then Scotty, especially as the low man, I mean, he poked that one on Vucevic. Like he got his hand in there, bop. He had four blocks, the the big one coming where he was cursing out uh, Kobe White when he, while he was blocking him. That was really fun. And um, I just like, man, it, it was really interesting to see that. And then my favorite coverage league-wide, I still love drop. Like, I, I love drop defense. With a good big man, it just puts everybody in such... I like drop as the base, and then you can go to something else if the team is, like, finding a really nice groove, getting into the middle. Like, let's say, man, the the Bucks in 2019 playing the Raptors, like, they play a super strong drop with Brooke there, and they have Giannis hanging around. But Kawhi is, like, getting middle doing a fantastic job finding his pacing, leading runs through the mid-range, and even in some cases, like, baiting uh, a rescreen and hitting a three. Like, maybe drop isn't tenable then. Then you have to go to a counter. But I love drop as the base. There's, like, a million things you can do afterwards, but drop is my favorite coverage for sure. I, I would say drop, too. Brook Lopez is one of my favorite players in the league. He's awesome. Yeah. I would say in terms of entertainment, like, nexting the, the screen – makes makes things a lot more a lot more fun i i think the something that the raptors are going to see a, a, a lot as well with with creating more chaos with guys like when pascal is coming off of a pick and roll and he's creates the sliver of advantage guys are going to come in create chaos through the gap dig dig really hard on them that's going to lead to turnovers the raptors do did a lot to teams in nick nurse's tenure and leads to more transition opportunities Obviously, the counter is what we've we've seen for a long period of time. The, the NBA has changed. Role players can make that that corner that corner three pass. Guys like Luca make that pass in their sleep because they're seeing fifty or sixty possessions of the dig is coming right now. We're going to run a flare. This guy's going to open up. I'm going to hit Tim Hardaway Jr. right right wing, yeah. and I'm going to do that ten times a game. But in terms of entertainment, creating turnovers through defense. Defense tends to get I when I play pickup. Defense tends to get you more hyped. It creates more creates more situations for transition buckets. I would say nexting this this screen. Yeah. Next next thing is um if you have the defenders to make it happen and somebody's like really proactive yeah. at because next thing for anybody who doesn't know, imagine a pick and roll like there's so a pick and roll has four people involved in the screen, right? So the pick and roll is happening at the top of the screen. And the guy gets around. Let's say you're playing drop defense. So now there's a two-on-one happening, right? 
there's a guy in lock and trail on the back end. In next defense, the guy who is one pass over above the break is running over to cut off that driving lane and effectively effectively turns into a switch where the guy who is in lock and trail now runs over to cover the guy who is also above the break. When this was first unleashed as a defensive, um, something to do defensively, a lot of the guys started turning the ball over because that that defender came jutting in super hard on that switch. And then guys would make that automatic read to the other guy above the break. And then the guy, pe- well, not peeling, but nexting over on the back end is getting that steal, obviously not really going up court, but it's like a really nice thing. And then peeling is when you go to the corner. And so next thing is like when you're pulling from above the break and maintaining the bottom of your defense, peeling is when you give up the corner. And it's all about pulling guys from different spots on the court to protect the middle. And so next thing is like, yeah, next thing is awesome. We have a a really good comment. I love when people pay attention to the takes we have because like that's what you want. Like the community aspect, you want like, hey, why did you think this? Why did you think that? From A plus 23, are you guys still pessimistic on the Raptors this year? I'll vouch for Trey. He was never pessimistic. He loved them getting younger because, you know, Trey, I'm the guy who goes to the games and I'm covering the team. I'm here regardless, you know. Um, if the Raptors say we're going to bottom out and we're going to try for a really high ceiling team, I'm like, damn, I'm not going to watch a lot of wins. <laughs> you don't have to be there for that. So when they said, hey, we're going younger, you're like, bring it on. I want the draft pick. I want to see what happens here. For myself, um, I'm still like, yeah, pessimistic on the, the half court offense. Uh, the Raptors defense, I'm very optimistic on. I got asked during the last live stream what my win prediction was. And like anywhere between 40 to 46 wins, I'm happy with Um, anything over that. I'm like, holy smokes, that's crazy. Um, But pessimistic on the Raptors, they're still a team that has three, you know, free agents who or three prospective free agents. They're still a team that has as far as like young talent, not as much as a lot of the other teams uh, in the NBA. And they really need uh, Scotty Barnes to pop off now. There's, I have a ton of belief in Scotty to pop off and become an all-star level player. But, uh, you know, it's just things to consider. Josh Codanera says, why would I bully Kirk Heinrich? <laughs> because he's a scrappy white guard, Josh. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting at. Uh, how are you on the yeah. pessimism versus optimism? I think I look at it in two ways. In terms of process, very optimistic. They're, they're at least, although the roster construction isn't necessarily where you want to be, there's going to be brief moments in time where you're going to see Scotty as your primary hub and you're going to see like glimpses of what type of offense he's going to evolve into if he scales up to the star that they're hoping that he is. Last year, I don't think there was opportunities for that. In terms of results and actually winning games, uh, not, I'm pretty pessimistic. Just, <laughs> just because you're seeing, you're, you're seeing right now, although it's preseason, a lot of the actions, while beautiful and designed, just functionally aren't working simply because they have several shooters. I'm not sure if Gary's going to change that. I would like to see him with the starters and see how much that changes. But I, I think you're still going to end up with a lot of those gr- grenade possessions where Pascal and, and Fred were taking the lion's share of those and having to score three or four seconds on the clock because there's no actual advantage being created and inefficient offense is happening, which you saw most of the first quarter. What I'm concerned about is Fred was able to take 
a large percentage of those shots, and he was hitting on a good portion of those, especially from three. Disagree. But where does those possessions go to? Like, does that scale to Scotty who can't really shoot? Does that scale to this pass will get more of those? That's where I'm. That's where I'm concerned about. This is that was kind of the feedback we got when we were picking out our stat lines, and people were saying like, yeah. "Well, Scotty's obviously going to reach six assists. Like he's getting more of the ball. It's like, well, Scotty is getting more of the ball, but it's not like they're going heliocentric to Scotty. Obviously, we've seen early on they have a lot of intention about working through Jakob." for example. And, you know, I don't know if Darko's just like towing the company line, but he's also talking about like, oh, we're working the offense through Precious, which I like Precious. People know I'm very high on him, but like, I don't know about that. But regardless, like Scotty doesn't get all of Fred's possessions. You know, Dennis gets a portion and Scotty can't just get assists on those extra possessions. He also has to score the damn thing. And so we're going to see how the Raptors, that back end of the shot clock kind of shapes up and what it looks like but i think there's a lot of interesting aspects of this team i think there's a lot of interesting stuff to pay attention to um we have a question regarding the wrap-up will any of the old wrap-up crew be making appearances this season home games when samson is at the stadium there are no plans for that um here's the thing like this is for a lot of people coverage is just not paid very well and isn't something a lot of people can get dedicate a lot of their time to a lot of people do it for a little while and then move on and do other things some people choose to do different types of um i guess work like Oren, for example is writing like a bunch of features on team canada and that's like he shifted a lot of his work over towards you know like team canada coverage and you know maybe there's less time for the wrap-up or something like that sahal you know like there's there's people who are doing things other things in their life Unfortunately for you lot, I cover this team full time. I'm here after every game, not live, but you can listen to the Raptors Reaction Podcast after every game, which I've been doing for years at this point. It's just the live version now. Um, yeah, I think it's uh I don't know if anybody, if like Aiden or Sahal or or Oren or anybody will hop on. I'm happy to have anybody on. Um and happy we're still planning for this uh these live call in shows. This is still we're planning for these. I can't wait to talk to some people. Um, it's like we can mimic uh, the shock jock radio a little bit. But yeah, uh, someone says that's not what kismet means. Uh, they're obviously watching from the start. My apologies. I, uh, I heard the word and I thought I, I was using it correctly in spirit. Perhaps not. Um, get Sam Vecini on here. I, I could talk to Sam I, if, if somebody wants, but not after a Raptors game. Maybe it's to talk about some prospects or something like that. Regardless, um, Trey, we've been talking for about an hour now. You want to get out of here? You got anything to say to the people before we leave? I've never done a, a wrap-up show, so I'm just thankful that you've allowed me on your, oh, on your many illustrious shows. So always fun with my pal. Yeah, I'm like, we we traveled to Vegas together, but like, no, we, I dude, I don't know if you can make it on the, the, <laughs> the wrap-up show. Yeah, that would be kind of funny. Um, when is the next uh, Samson, Trey, Caitlin episode? Oh, we could do one yeah. pretty soon, probably. Yeah, I think uh, I think that would be fun. Yeah, I don't know. makes sense. Caitlin's, Caitlin's always down to come chat with us, and we're always down to chat with Caitlin. So, yeah, there's stuff coming. You know, the season is coming up. We're still in the preseason. There's lots of stuff coming, including a 
piece breaking down all of Scotty's isolations, which is the final one. I've gained weight. I made this joke to you, Trey, but watching all of this film, every possession of Scotty Barnes, I've gained weight doing this, man. It's too much. I can't wait to be done. <sighs> okay. Uh, you, you said your goodbye. I'll say my, my goodbye. If anybody wants to subscribe over at RaptorsRepublic.com, it's what allows me to do this work because I'm actually getting paid that way. And I got to tell, I got to tell you guys, I'm not, like, I love basketball, but I'm not in it for the love of the game, like 82 reaction podcasts, loving the game. So the subscription goes a long way to supporting Raptors Republic. Obviously Sportsnet and TSN and The Athletic, everybody should be paying fees to Raptors Republic since everybody who works at those places comes from there. They aren't. We rely on the subscription. So if anybody wants to subscribe, feel free. And thanks to everybody for listening. These live podcasts are a ton of fun. I love, you know, reading the comment section. As I said last time, you guys know a lot about basketball. You talk about it respectively. It's fun to do the back and forth. So hell yeah. Okay, that's it. Raptors win 3-0 in the preseason on their way to 82-0 in the regular season, surely. All right. If you got into this in the morning or at night, from myself and Trey, have a blessed day and goodbye.